Hi, room 16. Sorry, so I just noticed that I abruptly ended um, the, the last one. So sorry about that. So this will be then um, part 17. Um, let me pull it out here. Um, give me a second. Um, okay, so we're in chapter 30. Um, so I'll read that part again. She was unusually quiet. I wonder if she was thinking about how many times she had fed me, how many more times she have to do it. Wearing a floppy yellow hat and yellow duck-footed slippers, Penny wandered to the kitchen, coughing and sneezing. Mom stopped feeding me, found a Kleenex, and wiped Penny's nose. She hated that, of course, so she screamed like she was being tortured by enemy spies. Normally, Mom makes a game of it and wipes Doodle's nose as well as to make Penny tolerate it better, but I guess she didn't feel up to it this time. Then the phone rang. Mom answered, a spoon in one hand, the dirty Kleenex in the other. Hello? You what? You need me to come in? But I'm off today. I'm supposed to be in Washington, she paused. Long story. I cringed. Penny continued to howl. She ought to put Penny in the basement with the dog, I thought, frowning. Butterscotch scratched furiously at the basement door. Penny, please, Mom cried out, cupping her hand over the phone. I can't hear. Penny quieted a little, but only because she had squatted down on the floor and put both hands in butterscotch water bowl, slushing water all over the floor. Mom listened for a minute, then said into the phone, How bad is the accident? Lots of injuries? Okay, I understand. I'll be there, but I have to wait until I get my daughter on the school bus. She hung up the phone and sighed, squeezing the tissue into her fist. I've got to go to the hospital, Chuck, she called out to Dad. Big pile up on the freeway. Are you dressed and ready? Dad came downstairs, still in his pajamas. I'm not going in today, he announced. You almost never take a day off, Mom said in a surprised, so said a surprised frown on her face. My wrist is aching. The weather's awful and Penny has a cold, he explained. Why don't you just stay home with me today, he said to me. Why don't you just stay home with me today, he said to me. But no, I kicked and shrieked and insisted on going to school. Can't miss today, I pointed. Must go, must go. Mom just put her head in her hands once more. Get Penny out of the dog dish, was all she finally said. Dad ripped a bunch of paper towels from the roll, cleaned up Penny's mess, and wiped her nose with the wet paper towel. That started her screaming again. Her screeching became a shriek. That's when she reached up and knocked over the cup of orange juice on my tray. My clean blouse was a soppy mess. She did that on purpose, I thought angrily. Mom simply shrugged, simply shrugged her shoulders and yanked off my shirt in one swift motion. She told Dad, Melody is determined to show up at school. Why, I do not know, but she may as go, may as well go. I couldn't explain to them that I, I couldn't explain to them that I wanted to see Catherine. Somehow I felt she'll talk to me and make me feel better. 
She's a college kid. She would know what to say. Besides, I have to give her that card today. It took mom several minutes to find a new shirt for me until she remembered all the clean clothes in my suitcase. When she rolled that red suitcase into the kitchen, I looked at her, then looked away. I refused to cry anymore. For some reason, the bus came early that morning. I'd just gotten my clean shirt on. My book bag still needed to be packed with my lunch and Catherine's card, and I had to go to the bathroom. Even over the noise of all the rain and thunder, the honk of the bus horn blared clearly. It always sounds like a goose in pain. I heard Dad open the front door to wave the driver on. He yelled, Don't wake us! She's not ready! The driver, a sandy-haired guy who's been on this route for a couple of years, beeped once more, then rumbled on. Gus is a really cool, cool guy and often waits a few minutes as parents hustle to get their children out of their houses. It just takes us longer sometimes to get it together in the morning. Melody, baby, why don't you just stay home with Daddy and Penny today, please? Mom asked as she lifted me off the toilet. It's such an icky day. I cried and kicked out again, shaking my head. No, no, no. I didn't know why it was so important, but I knew I had to show up. Maybe I wanted to let everybody know that the team had gone had what maybe I wanted to let everybody know what the team had done to me. I wasn't really sure. I only knew I had to go to school. Mom sighed and pulled up my jeans. When I got back in my chair, I pointed to thanks and mom. She just shook her head and stuffed my lunch into my book bag. The rain didn't seem to be letting up, so mom took a deep breath and started the process of loading me into the car. When I ride the bus, I simply rode down our ramp, down the dry, dry ray, driveway, onto the bus lift, and into a specially designed area of the bus that straps my chair into place. But when I ride in the car, it involves a whole process of taking part and putting together me, my chair, and my stuff. Even with my manual chair, it's a pain. And dad was no help. With his arm in a sling, he shrugged and tried to look like he was sorry he couldn't come out and lend mom a hand. I think he was enjoying it a little, and that made mom even more upset. The rain and wind, if anything, had gotten worse. Mom had draped a huge plastic raincoat over me in my chair and another one over herself. But in seconds, the hoods had blown off and our heads were soaked. We headed slowly down the wheelchair ramp the wind wiping us, and the rain attacking from all sides. All sides. Oh, sorry, the wind whipping us and the rain attacking from all sides. I thought it was exciting. I'd never seen the sky so dark at eight in the morning. The thunder and wind made it feel like a scene out of a really, out of a really good movie. My hair short and curly, and I think it looks sort of cute when it's wet. Good thing. My mom hates it when her hair gets wet. It gets stringy and limp. I gotta admit, mom with her hair wet, mom with wet hair should hide in a closet. She opened the cor car door on the passenger side and the wind blew it shut. She did, she did it again. This time using me and my chair as a doorstop. The front seat of the car, of course, was getting soaked. She lifted me into a seat, into the seat, strapped me in and began the process of collapsing my chair. 
Fortunately, most of it is plastic and leather and metal, but I knew it would stay damp all day, even if somebody wiped it off real good when I go to school. Mom placed my chair along with my old communication board into the back of the SUV. When she shut the trunk, she slammed it hard. The rain continued to fall. By the time she scooted into the driver's seat, she was a dripping mess and in a terrible mood. Oh, I wish I could go back to bed, she said grumpily as she put the key into the ignition. My head is killing me. Why did I agree to go to work? I'm supposed to be off today with you in Washington. She sighed heavily. <sighs> I kicked my legs in response, but only a little. I didn't want to upset her even more. That's when I glanced down and noticed she forgot in my book bag. Catherine's card. I reached over, grabbed mom's arm, and pointed to my feet. What? She said, irritation in her voice. I kicked, I pointed, I grunted. Then I pointed to the house. Dad, who had changed into thick gray sweats, was standing there at the front door, grinning, my denim book bag in his right hand. I could see Penny still in her little yellow duck pajamas and now a yellow rain hat standing behind him. She had Doodle and Mom's red umbrella in her hands. Lightning crackled. Thunder followed. The rain poured. I watched Mom's hands tighten on the steering wheel. She made a noise that sounded like something I would say almost a growl. Ah! She flung open the door, stomped back out in the storm, up the ramp, and then she snatched the book bag from dad. She was so sopping by the time she got back in the car. Dad waved his bandaged arm from the porch one last time, then turned and went back into the dryness of the house. I watched as the front door almost closed. That's when I saw a small bundle of yellow dragging, a, a bundle of yellow dragging a red umbrella dart out of the house. I saw her for only a second, but I saw. I screamed. I kicked. I flayed, flamed my arms. The windows were almost completely fogged up, and they even got worse as I continued to act like I'm possessed by demons. Mom looked at me as if I had lost my mind. She screamed at me, Stop it! Are you crazy? But I wouldn't, I couldn't stop. I banged on the car window, pulled Mom's shirt, hit her head. I pinched her, or at least tried to. I can't take it anymore, Melody. Mom screamed over the thunder. I hate it when you act like this. You've got to learn to control yourself, not quit. She put her hand on the keys to stop the car. I scream, reached over and tried to pull the keys from her. I scratched the back of my mom's hand. She smacked me on the leg. She never raised a hand to me before. Never. I still didn't stop screaming and kicking and jerking. I had to tell her. I had to tell her that Penny was out there. Never had I wanted words more. I was going out of my mind. I'm taking you to school, and I hope they keep you. Mom mumbled under her breath. Angrily, she turned on the car. A rush of air started to clear the windows. The windshield wipers rocked at their fastest speed. I cried. Huge, sobbing tears. I grabbed at Mom's arm once more, but all she did was shake my arm away. I could tell she felt like hitting me again, but she didn't. Her lips were tight. She looked out the rearview mirror. She put the car into reverse. I shrieked. I screeched. I yelled. The rain poured. The thunder roared. Slowly, the big car rolled backward. I felt the soft thud. I became silent. Mom stopped, turning her head slowly to the left. Then she turned slowly to the right, almost as if in slow motion, as she saw Dad coming round of the, 
running out of the house, a look of stark alarm, a look of stark alarm on his face. Penny! I heard him yell. Where's Penny? Mom rolled the window down on my side. Rain poured in unto me, but I didn't care. What do you mean? She's with you. Mom's voice was low, but sounded frantic and very scared. She got out of the car. She looked down. She screamed for a long, long time. Her screams were louder than the police sirens that eventually came shrieking around our corner. Louder than the fire truck and ambulance sirens that followed them. Louder than my silent cries. I sat there for what seemed like hours, basically forgotten, strapped in the front seat of the car as the rain poured in my open window. I ached with fear. Wow. All right. We're in chapter 31. The air felt thick and damp like the silence that followed the screaming and crying and sirens. The rain had slowed the drizzle. After mom and dad left with the ambulance, Mrs. V took me out of the car and sat me in my chair. She placed the soggy, fil filthy doodle on my tray. I found this under the car, she said, her voice shaky. I touched it and burst into tears. As she rolled me to her house, she said, We're going to clean doodle up and have him waiting for Penny when she comes home. You hear? I could tell if she was trying to convince me or herself. I felt dizzy, nauseous, and nauseous. I could not stop shaking. After changing my clothes into warm, dry sweats, she switched the radio to an easy listening station and turned the volume down low. The only color I heard was gray. Mrs. V stood behind me, gently rubbing my shoulders. Are you hungry? she asked. I shook my head no. She continued to massage my back and so soldier soldiers, uh, sorry, shoulders, until we both could feel the tension slipping away. I'm going next door to get your Medi talker and the dog, she said. You want anything else? I shook my head and continued to listen to the tones of smoking gray. When she got back, Butterscotch seemed nervous. She kept pacing and sniffling as if she was looking for something. I think she's looking for Penny, Mrs. V said. Dogs know. She hooked up Elvira to my chair and switched it on, but there was nothing either of us could say. It's not your fault, you know, she said finally. I shook my head, forcefully. Mrs. V should know better than to say stuff to make me feel better. I mean it, Melody. It is not your fault. Yes, it is, I replied on my talker. I turned the volume up loud. Mrs. V walked around to where I can see her, leaned down until her face was just inches from my own. You did your best to warn your mother. You should be proud of yourself. Not proud. Not enough, I typed. Sometimes things happen that are beyond our control, Melody. You did everything right. The guilt bubbled up then. I was mad at Penny, I typed, slower than usual. Penny knows you love her, she said. Tears slid down my cheeks. Made mom take me to school. So what? The fact that you insisted on going to school even after what happened to you yesterday shows you are a strong person, a better person than anyone else there is. I'm proud of you for that. Don't be. 
I'm sure Penny will be just fine, Mrs. V said. But her voice said otherwise. For the first time, I can remember Mrs. V sounding unsure. Will she die? I had to know. She was alive and breathing when she, the ambulance took her, so I'm going to believe that she's, that that's still the case. Toddlers are very resilient, you know. I had to know something else. Her brain. Messed up? I asked. I had seen enough television shows on brain trauma to know it was possible. My classmates, Jill, had been in a car accident. I couldn't bear to see Penny like that. Mrs. V answered thoughtfully and on honestly. I suppose it's possible, but I pray that's not the case. Two broken kids, I typed. Just the idea almost made me gag. That's not going to happen, Melody. But Mrs. Voice wavered. I heard it. I was still for a moment. Then I typed, it should have been me. Huh? What do you mean? Nobody would miss me. Now you just stop talking stupid like that. My whole world would fall, fall apart if something happened to you. Your parents as well. I'm not sure I believed her. I tilted my head. Really? I typed. I plan to wear purple to your college graduation. Far away and very hard. Like making the quiz team. They left me. And they lost. I glanced out of her large picture window and watched the wet branches sway. How could, how could I say it? I looked back at my talker and typed very slowly. I want to be like other kids. So you want to be mean and fake and thoughtless? Thoughtless? I looked up at her angry face, then looked away. No, normal. Normal sucks, she roared. People love you because you're Melody, not because of what you can or cannot do. Give us a little credit. I want it to be yesterday, I typed. Yesterday, your heart was broken because they left you behind, remember? Rather have that than this. I know. Oh, Melody, I know. I'm scared. Me too. The silent room echoed our thoughts. I had a goldfish. He jumped out of his bowl, I typed then. I remember your mom telling me about that. Try to save him. Couldn't. The phone rang then, startling both of us. I jerked in my chair and Mrs. V picked it up. Yes, she said. I strained to listen. Oh, no, she said. My heart dropped beneath my chair. She listened for a long time. Oh, yes, she finally said. Then she burst into tears and hung up. Is Penny dead? I typed. The world was spinning. Mrs. V wiped her eyes, looked at me, and took a deep breath. She has some internal injuries, a badly broken leg, but she survived the surgery. She's gonna live! Then she cried once more. Normal doesn't suck at all. Chapter 32 It's Monday, so I have to return to school today. The temperature has dropped, and the sun is glowing like some kind of forested golden jewel, frosted golden jewel. Yet everything feels different and not quite right. Mom spent the weekend at the hospital with Penny, sleeping on a cot in her room. I have not seen her since. Well, since everything changed. I wonder if Mom is mad at me. 
Mrs. V comes over and helps me get dressed and fed. Even Butterscotch seems to miss Penny. She puts her head in my lap and looks at me with lonely eyes. I can't help her. Dad is a mess. He keeps dropping things like forks and keys. He starts to talk, then forgets what he was going to say. He hasn't shaved. Go and get yourself together, Chuck, Mrs. V finally tells him. A hot shower and gold, a cold glass of orange juice will do you wonders. When you go see Penny this morning, you don't want to scare the child, do you? Oh, you're right, Dad replies. You got Melody covered? I'll see she gets on the bus. Now scoot. He bounds up the chairs. He bounds up the stairs to the bedroom. Penny better? I tap on my board. Yes, oh yes. When I spoke to your mom this morning, she told me that they have taken her off the IV already. Penny was eating applesauce, complaining about her cast, and asking for doodle. Which I've got cleaned up and ready for her. Penny's going to be fine, Melody. Just fine. I inhale deeply. Mrs. V spoons eggs into my mouth, but my stomach roils with worry. Her leg, I ask? Her leg is in a cast. It's a big and clunky and will annoy the heck out of her. But the doctors have said that when she gets stronger, she'll even be able to walk with it. I'm glad Mrs. V is always straight up with me. Wheelchair? I can't think of anything worse than a teeny baby wheelchair. No, they want her to move around as much as possible. I breathe a sign of relief. Her head, I ask. Mrs. V understands. No brain damage, Melody. None. I exhale slowly. (sighs) You sure? I spell out. Absolutely. I saw her myself last night. She bumped her head when she fell, but the car hit her leg. It didn't touch her head at all. The school bus honks then, so Mrs. V wheels me down the drive to meet it. She checks my backpack, adjusts my foot straps, and gives me a big hug. You ready, Melody? Ready to face the quiz team? I nod. After what had almost happened, facing a bunch of snotty fifth graders will be easy. Gus looks at me with concern as he lowers the bus lift. How's your sister? He asks me. That is so scary. Gonna be okay, I type. Thanks. I realized right then that news like that travels fast. Everyone at school will probably know as well. Gus wheels me onto the lift and pushes the button to raise it as I wave goodbye to Mrs. V. The ride to school is strangely quiet. None of the usual squeaks and grunts from the students who ride the special bus. When we get to school, the air is chilly. So the A takes us directly to room H5. As we get settled, I look at my friends there through different eyes. Freddie, who wants to zoom to the moon. Ashley, our fashion model. Willie, the baseball expert. Maria, who has no enemies. Gloria, the music lover. Carl, our resident gourmet. Jill, who might have once been like Penny. Not one of them even knows how to be mean. And me, the dreamer who tries to escape room H5. A kid with a computer named Elvira. I don't even know where I belong anymore. Catherine comes in then, wearing a new outfit that is actually cute and stylish. Tan slacks, black sweater, and a vest. Nice outfit, I tell her. Thanks. I did it all by myself. I have something for you. 
I point to my book bag. She reaches into my bag and digs around and finds the card that almost led to tragedy. After she reads it, she blinks back tears. No, Melody. Thank you. She leans over and hugs me, and then she looks serious and says, Mrs. Valencia called and told me all about what happened with your little sister. How's she doing? Better, I type. You know, you probably saved her life, Catherine tells me. What? Seriously, your screaming and yelling slowed your mother down. Gave her time to figure out why you were acting like that. Had hot potatoes in her pants. Could not stop mom, I step out on my machine. You did exactly the right thing. I'm so proud of you. Really? Really, especially after all you had been through at the airport. You want to talk about it? No, I type and look away. Maria comes over to my chair and gives me a big hug. You did good, Melly Belly, she says, real good. I'm not sure if she's talking about the quiz team or something else, but my eyes get all drippy and my nose starts to run. I wish I can give her a big squeeze back to let her know how good she has made me feel, but I just tap, thanks. I'm never sure how much Freddy is aware of what's going on in the world around him. So he surprises me when he sips over to me and asks, Melly, go zoom and plane? He looks excited, maybe even envious. No, Freddy, I type. No plane, no zoom. He f his face scrunches up into sadness. Then he drives away. Mrs. Shannon comes over next and squats beside me. Your head must be near, about ready to explode from all that's happened in the past few days. Boom, I type. But I don't feel like smiling. Let's talk at lunch, okay, Melody? Okay. Are you going to your inclusion classes, she asks. Yes, I type. I tap. I thought about this all weekend when I wasn't thinking about Penny. I decided what was I decided I wasn't going to hide. I wanted you to know I'm very proud of you. She gives me a big thumbs up and then gets our morning routine going. As it turns out, Miss Gordon is absent today. So the first inclusion class I'm set to attend is Mr. Dimming's. Are you sure you want to go? Catherine asked me. Instead of answering, I power my chair towards Mr. D's door. Catherine rests a hand on my shoulder as I were in. A small brass colored trophy sits on Mr. D's desk. The room is quieter than normal. Mr. Deming clears his throat. He shifts from one foot to the other. He runs his fingers around the collar of his dim white shirt. He's back to his old, well, brown, brown suit. His old shoes as well. Shoes as well. Finally, he says, hello, Melody. His voice sounds fake cheerful. I do not reply. He wiggles so much. He looks like he has to go to the bathroom. I just watch him. No kicks from me. No word sounds. I'm amazingly calm. I glance over at Rose, but she's looking in the other direction. No one seems to know what to say. At last, I break the silence. I turn the volume up, loud on my machine, then type out, Why did you leave me? 
Somebody should have been there with the video camera proving that, yes, a fifth grader classroom can be absolutely, totally quiet. Faces search over other faces, each one willing, each one willing an, another to speak. Eventually, Rose stands up. She looks directly at me and says, We didn't plan to leave you, Melody. Honest. I look at her dead in the eye and wait. I don't react at all. I just wait. She continues. We all went out to breakfast early that morning. I interrupt. Nobody told me about that. How come? None of them answered. Their silence says what their words cannot. It's better without me. I blink real fast. Claire finally stammers. We figured you slow us down because you have to be fed and stuff. It's so quiet. I swear I can hear my own heartbeat. You threw up. Nobody left you. Oh, snap, I hear Ronnie whispered. Claire stares down at her desk. Who took my place? Claire lifts her hand slightly, but she won't look at me. Rose scrapes at, her, at a spot on her history book. We finished breakfast really fast because we were all excited, so we got to the airport extra early. Connor stands up then. He looks uncomfortable. So when we go to the airport, they told us that the new flight had just been canceled but that we could make the early flight if we hurried. Molly speaks next. So we checked our stuff real fast, then rush. I mean, like, track stars, even Mr. Demings, down to the gate to get that early flight. Nobody thought of me, I ask. Silence again. Finally, Elena says, I did. I was the first one to board the plane. Just as I gave my boarding pass to the agent, I reminded Mr. Demings that you were missing. Mr. Demi again twists from one foot to another. I was so busy trying to count hands and check seat assignments and deal with everyone's carry-on bags, so I asked the kids to call you at home. I knew Rose at least had your number in her cell phone. All eyes shifts to Rose. She looks at the door, then slowly she looks at me. A tear runs down her cheek. You couldn't have made it there in time anyway. I... I picked up my phone to call you. I flipped it open. Then I look at the rest of the kids on the team. She pauses. I could imagine them standing there thinking about the chance to be on Good Morning America with that huge trophy in me. Rose continues in a whispered. We looked at each other. Everyone made just a tiny head. Shake. No. All of them? I shiver. Rose sniffles and whispers finally. So I closed the phone and we got on the plane. I I never made the call. How can silence be so loud? Mr. Jimmy finally says stays quiet says quietly. I'm so very sorry, Melody. So sorry. Rose bursts into tears then and puts her head down on her desk. Just before the competition, Molly, expl Molly explains, a reporter from the Washington Post came to interview the team, but he left when he found out you weren't there. Connor walks up to the front of the room that picks up the ninth place trophy and brings it to me. He stammers and licks his lips. Um, The team kind of wants you to have this melody, sort of to make it up. He places it on my tray. The thing is small, made of cheap plastic that has been painted to look like metal. The name of the school is even spelled wrong on the face plate. 
I look at the ugly, ugly little statue and I start to giggle. Then I crack up. Finally, I roll with laughter. My hand jerks out and hits the trophy. I'm not sure if it was an accident or not, and it falls to the floor, breaking into several pieces. The class stares at me in surprise. When I see that I am going to go ballistic, when, when they see that I'm not going to go ballistic on them, they finally start to laugh as well, a little. Even Rose sniff it, sniffs and smiles. I don't want it, I finally type. Then turning the volume as loud as they will go, I added, you deserve it. Still laughing. I click on the power to my chair and do a small, a smooth turn and roll my eyes. Roll myself out of class. All right. So we will go ahead and we will read the la I will read the last chapter tomorrow. Hi, room 16. So I'm going to read the last chapter. Um, so this will be part 18, but it's chapter 33. Fifth grade is probably pretty rocky for lots of kids. Homework, never being quite sure if you're cool enough, clothes, parents, wanting to play with toys and wanting to be grown up all at the same time, underarm odor. I guess I have all that, plus a million different layers of other stuff to deal with, making people understand what I want. Worrying about what I look like. Fitting in. Will a boy ever like me? Maybe I'm not so different from everyone else after that. It's like somebody gave me a puzzle. But I don't know. But I don't have the box with the picture on it. So I don't know what the final thing is supposed to look like. I'm not even sure if I have all the pieces. That's probably not a good comparison. Since I couldn't put a puzzle together if I wanted to. Even though I usually know the answers to most of the questions at school, lots of stuff still puzzles me. Penny came home from the hospital with bumps and bruises, a cast and a new red hat. Doodle is back in her arms. They're spoiling her rotten. That's okay with me. Even Butterscotch is treating Penny like she's an injured puppy. The dog has brought all her favorite stuffed toys into Penny's room, like gifts. Today I'm working on Miss Gordon's autobiography project, autobiography project. Mrs. V has Elvira plug into the computer. Classical music is soft seeping from her new iPod. I hear soft purple. This is going to take a while. So much is stuffed inside my head. I have lots to say and just one thumb to say it with. I guess I'll start at the very beginning. Words. I'm surrounded by thousands of words, maybe millions. Cathedral, mayonnaise, pomegranate, Mississippi, Neapolitan, hippopotamus, silky, terrifying, iridescent, tickle, sneeze, wish, worry. Words have always swirled around me like snowflakes, each one delicate and different, each one melting untouched in my hands. Deep within me, worlds, Words pile up in huge drifts, mountains of phrases and sentences and connected ideas, clever expressions, jokes, love songs. From the time I was really little, maybe just a few months old, words were like sweet liquid gifts and I drank them like lemonade. I could almost taste them. They made my jumbled thoughts and feelings have substance. 
My parents have always blanketed me with conversation. They chattered and and babbled. They verbalized and vocalized. My father sang to me. My mother whispered her strength into my ear. Every word my parents spoke to me or about me, I absorbed and kept and remembered all of them. I have no idea how I untangled the complicated process of words and thought, but it happened quickly and naturally. By the time I was two, all my memories had words and all my words had meanings, but only in my hand. I have never spoken one single word. I am almost 11 years old. And that is the end of the book. Hope you guys liked it. Bye.